0: Hi everyone welcome to all things iceland this is jules a native new yorker that moved to iceland in 2016. after falling in love with the country i started the all things iceland podcast and social media channels in 2018 to share with travelers and others who are interested in iceland about the country's fascinating history culture nature language and travel sharing insights travel recommendations folklore interviews and so much more have helped thousands to become more familiar with iceland and have epic adventure. This episode is part of a series about months in Iceland. I will have links to the other months that I have done so far in the show notes of this episode on allthingsiceland.com forward slash September dash in dash Iceland. And of course, the other months follow a similar URL pattern. Visiting Iceland in September is an experience that combines what I feel is the tail end of summer's allure with the onset of autumn's charm. So here's what you can expect, and specifically when it comes to the climate. During this month, since we're making this transition, the temperature is relatively mild. But of course, you'll start to notice that during the evenings, it can get much cooler. Average temperatures range from five degrees celsius to 10 degrees celsius it can get higher than that of course but that's around 41 degrees fahrenheit to 50 degrees fahrenheit during the day and as i mentioned the days are generally a little cooler sometimes not i mean sometimes we have summer type weather in september especially in the early part of the month but the evenings because we have now shorter days we're having dark nights which feels like a normal day. I mean, it's one of those where in Iceland, because things are so extreme, winter having such shorter day daylight and summer having 24 hour daylight, that September, October are days where it's like, oh, almost like you live in a, a place where, you know, what is considered normal for the days is, is happening. And so for precipitation, though, there's always a fair chance of rain in Iceland, but we are going to fall. So there's a good chance that it can happen more often. Waterproof clothing is definitely something I recommend. And a little bit later, I'll talk about what to wear during this month. But please keep in mind, every time I say this, I have to mention, it always varies from year to year, day to day. Honestly, you have a bright, sunny, clear day with hardly any wind. The next day is a windstorm with a bunch of rain. You never know. So just come prepared for that. When it comes to daylight hours, the length of the day in September definitely is getting noticeably shorter. So you can expect around 11 to 14 hours of daylight. Just give you an example, on September 1st, the sun rises at 6.09 a.m. and sets at 8.44 p.m., which is 14 hours and 35 minutes of daylight. By the middle of the month, on the 15th, the sun rises at 6.49 a.m. and sets at 7.54 p.m. for a total of 13 hours and five minutes of daylight. Now, on the last day of the month, September 30th, the sun rises at 7.32 and sets at 7.01 p.m., which means that we have a grand total of 11 hours and 28 minutes of daylight. As I mentioned, as you can see, it's shrinking ever so quickly, especially as we enter October. But we're going to keep it about September right now because at least there's decent daylight. What's nice is that when we have, of course, these regular feeling days in terms of the length of daylight, at night, you might be able to see the northern lights during September. Now so please manage your expectations because the chance of seeing them is up to a lot of different factors: solar flare activity, cloud coverage, you know, just the even the elements that are in the air. So I have an episode about how and when to see the Nord lights in Iceland. I'll link to that in the description of this episode on my website if you want more information as well as different places that you can go, like different spots you can go to if you're driving your own to try and see them. What to wear during September in Iceland. I mentioned layers, that's always key. Of course, waterproof hiking boots, because you can still do a decent amount of hiking during this time. Accessories, you might need some light gloves, hats, scarves, especially if you plan to stay out at night. My ultimate packing checklist, which is linked in the description, will provide you with everything you need to bring. I Split it up into winter and summer. I would follow and I suggest following the summer checklist for this particular month. And if you want like maybe an extra layer for the evening time, sure. But the summer list will definitely have you prepared. And and there's also on those two separate lists. So those are separated in the ultimate packing checklist. Then I have essentials, which is like bare minimum. And then non-essentials that you can bring if you have room in your luggage. Regarding the road conditions and driving in Iceland during September, most of the main roads are still very easy to navigate. In fact, the majority of the roads in the country are easy to navigate. And driving the Ring Road won't be a problem at all. Many of the Highland routes, if not all of them, especially in the beginning of September, are still open. And what's cool is that, you know, if you do come in this time, imagine if you were able to go into the Highlands and then you get back from that trip, like a day trip, and then you saw the Northern Lights, right? Like it's just the combination of summer and, you know, the winter lore, <laughs> at least one of the things that brings so many people to Iceland during the winter. So I'm just crossing my fingers for you. If you do decide to come during this month, I consider it one of the, if not, yeah, one of the best months to visit Iceland. And I'll go into that a little bit more later as to why. On the roads, please watch out for sheep. They are still roaming free. They're going to be collected. And I talk about that in one of the events for this month. But the ones that have not been collected yet, they're sitting on the sides of the roads, crossing the road at leisure. So just know that and be ready to stop or, you know, definitely slow down if you see them on the edge of the road because they might just run across. There are sudden weather changes that can affect your driving conditions or possibility to go to a certain area. This happens any time of the year in Iceland. Summer, unfortunately is not a time where we're safe <laughs> from storms, specifically wind storms. And that is something that can for sure happen. So be prepared for rain or even if you're in higher altitudes, some snow in the north, west fjords, the highlands, and parts of the east fjords. It's normal to see some snow on the mountains during this time. There actually might even be, depending on how north you are, some a little bit of ice on the, you know, in your car or something. That when you wake up, you know, before the sun has hit your car, if you're heading out pretty early, but all of that disappears with the sun shining and and the warmth in the air. I feel like it's just winter showing us that it's not far away and that it's fast approaching. Of course, always check the weather forecast and road conditions before heading out. There are sites like safetravel.is, which talks about weather warnings, road conditions. There's road dot is that specifically concentrates on road conditions and you can even see like cameras that are showing what the roads look like and closures and then for weather sites there's a Norwegian one that I really like to use called y r dot n as in Nancy o and then there's the Icelandic one called weather but in English the way to spell the website would be v as in Victor e d as in dog U R I S. And they're great for checking if there are, like I mentioned, any closed roads, storms, or other bad weather conditions. So I have some little expert trip planning tip for you for September. If you're looking to avoid the crowds of summer, September is definitely a good month for that. Now, we, like I mentioned, we still have these long daylight hours. And of course, some of the Highland roads are open. But seeing the Northern Lights definitely makes this a potentially good time to come. Also, it's just the shoulder season, like there's a lot less people normally. I have noticed, at least this year, that it seemed to be a little bit of a spillover. People from peak summer months, maybe people are starting to realize that September is a great time to visit. I don't know, maybe because I'm talking about it. (laughs) Am I spilling the beans? But then how would you know, right? So sometimes you you just got (laughs) to roll with it and see what happens. But accommodations is what I wanted to get at in terms of the expert trip planning tip is that you still want to try and snag them a bit early. Think of it similar as to trying to snag some accommodations as if it were summer. Just do it as early as you can, you know, months ahead of time, six months ahead of time or so. Uh, maybe even sometimes as much as like January of that year and that you plan to go. And the reason why I say that is because it's just been intense how many, how much accommodations have changed in terms of availability and then, you know, the the cost and things. But The cost does start to go down in September, not always as significantly as it would in like January or February, but still, it it can become a little bit less expensive. And of course, navigating Iceland on your own because the weather conditions are so great, usually meaning clear roads, like you don't have to worry about ice and snow, storms or anything like that. I always recommend renting a car. So if you do plan to explore the country on your own, I then utilizing go car rental iceland who is an amazing rental car company that i've been partnering with for over a year absolutely love it my listeners and other followers have talked about how much they've enjoyed the customer service and and all those things as well and they are a local icelandic car company that has as i mentioned great customer service a large variety of cars and very competitive prices if you use my code iceland10 you can save 10 percent off the entire cost of your rental car I personally use them for all the adventures I go on, and I'm glad to hear that many of you have had a great experience, have messaged me, so I'm just happy to be able to share this car company with you in terms of one that you can rely on and is local. Also, if you're planning to do any camper van trips, then I recommend Go Campers. so these are sister companies, and you can use my code ICELAND7 to save 7%. And get two free duvets with your Go Campers van rental. I've been using camper vans from Go Campers over the summer, and I had a great time. So I've enjoyed them. Specifically, I use the Go Light Camper, which is for three people. But I believe two adults would be comfortable in that particular vehicle. And I've definitely tested it out with two adults. So just, you know, in terms of that information, if that's helpful, then I hope that. When you choose one, you get one that is best for you. I do always recommend, though, if you're going to get a camper, especially around this time of the year, make sure it has a heater included. There are some that like much smaller that don't come with heaters and it can get chilly. Okay, like that is not something that you want to have to worry about when you're out on the road and trying to rest. So just as some bullet points why you should visit in September, fewer tourists, vibrant autumn colors. It's so pretty, especially as we get to like mid September to late September. It's so beautiful with the yellow, red, and orange. We do have some trees, people. I know people are always like, what do you mean? In certain spots, but we do have trees. And so seeing the changing of the leaves is beautiful. The Aurora Borealis, so Northern Lights, potentially seeing those. And of course, Highland Access. So much packed potentially in one month. That is fantastic. And then top activities to do. So, of course, Northern Lights hunting, potentially hiking and trekking hot springs, whale watching, glacier hiking, so many things. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Of course, there are great museums. There are walks that you can do downtown. In fact, if you decide to do any like the food walking tours or the catwalk tour that I mentioned in one episode, their Viking tour, there's a lot of them. And I partner with this company called Your Friend in Reykjavik. And if you want to use my code, all things Iceland, all in caps. You can save 10% on their tours and over 40 of their tours, you can use my 10% code on. So they have a lot of ones for you to choose from to suit your fancy. And, you know, if you want to go explore around Reykjavik and actually different parts of the country as well. For September events and holidays, there aren't any specific holidays. So I'm just sticking with events here in this month, but Reykjavik International Film Festival, this is wonderful for film enthusiasts. And it normally takes place from September 26th to October 6th. Then there's the Day of Icelandic Nature, which is September 16th. And this is a day that's dedicated to appreciating Iceland's unique nature. While this is not a widespread holiday, it is nice to have a day dedicated to nature here. Some places have programs like for children or even adults, and others go out and pick up litter just to kind of show their appreciation. Not that we have a ton of litter, but they're There are places where there are some. And so, of course, it's up to you for any of these events to take part in them. But if you just want to go out and literally stand out in nature on Day of Icelandic Nature on September 16th, you would be participating. Rietir, which is a sheep roundup that happens during this month. And I like to say that Icelandic sheep are allowed to have the ultimate summer vacation in Iceland because they roam and graze freely in many parts of the country. And during September and the beginning of October is when there is this sheep roundup or rieter, as I mentioned. And this has been happening for centuries. So farmers that own the sheep, they invite their friends and family to help them. I mean, they need them to help them. It's not like, oh, just come over for some coffee and help me get some sheep. It's like, no, this is hard work. So if anyone ever invites you to go out into the highlands, the mountains, whatever, for rieter, be prepared, first of all, for the changing weather. Uh, have very warm clothing, uh, lots of walking if you're not on a horse. And it's just, it's a lot. And of course, the sheep are not always like, hey, we want to go back now. No, they're enjoying their lives thinking we're just going to be out here forever. But that's not possible, sheep. The weather, the winter is coming and uh, you'll, you'll be annihilated. if left left, um, unfortunately, out just because they're domesticated now. So Yeah, it's long hours, hard work, but some farms allow tourists to join in if they want to. So, if that's your thing, you might be able to contact a farm and see which ones are doing it in terms of allowing people. And then others are okay with you coming to sorting day. Now, this is much more family friendly and just friendly for anyone who is not looking to do any particular extreme hard labor. So, during the sorting, there's this area where all the sheep are brought from the specific place where the Farmers of that region have been collecting and you're collecting all the sheep. So it might be your friend's, you know, farm down the road who sheep that you collected along with your own. So the point is to get to this specific spot where there's a sorting type of structure and you watch them literally take the sheep and lead them into specific little segments of this sorting structure. I have a picture of it on my website, uh, allthingsisland.com, for this episode, just so that you can see what I'm talking about, because initially it won't sound like it makes a lot of sense the way that I'm saying it. And that's because the sheep have certain tags on them, so that's why they know who they are or who they belong to. And then once they're sorted, the sheep are then... Uh, transported to the respective farms and to which they belong. So as you can see, visiting Iceland in September does offer a unique blend of late summer and early autumn. With this dramatic landscape, transforming colors, fewer crowds, and the possibility of seeing their lights, I feel like it's the perfect time for those seeking a mix of adventure and a little bit more quiet time, or at least not so much humdrum of the summer. But always be prepared for variable weather conditions and enjoy the diverse range of activities that are on offer for this month. I do have some Iceland trip planning resources that I want to share with you. So before hopping into the random fact of the episode, I'm just going to talk a little bit about those because I've received many, many, many amazing emails from listeners Many of you on the podcast and followers on social media asking me for my advice on what to do in Iceland, and I'm flattered that you see me as a resource that you would like to get that information from. So due to the high demand for this information, I created some resources for people, and all the ones I will talk about are available through either links in the description of this episode on my website, allthingsiceland.com, but also I have a tab at the top of my website when you get there, just in case you can't find this particular episode. That's called Trip Planning Help. So when you click on that, it's a drop down menu and you'll find links to everything I'm about to share. One of the resources is that if you're interested in getting very personalized trip planning advice from me, you can book me for a consultation via the link in the description of this episode or that Trip Planning Help tab. And after you fill out a survey and pick a time that is available for both of us, we do a one hour video chat via Google Meet. And during that time, You basically uh, can chat with me about your interests, parts of the countries you want to visit. Like I usually get a sense of that already from the survey, but still, you know, things change or you have other ideas. How to get to most of the places and of course, and not just like by car, but like just how to map it all out. How to best use your time, helpful information to know about Iceland before coming that you might not be aware of. Any questions that you have for me, because there I'm sure are plenty of things that people are just unfamiliar with in Iceland. And I've learned that over doing around a hundred of these calls since I started offering this. And it's been wonderful. Like my schedule isn't always open during all times, but when I do have availability, I very much enjoy them. And I love hearing at the end of the call when people tell me they feel even more excited about their upcoming trip because the consultation was helpful. Another great resource is to grab full access to my Iceland map. So let's just say that you already have an itinerary, which people do go on a consultation call call with me even though they have an itinerary but you just want to add on locations like you're not looking for that like one-on-one personalized thing and so this map was created for those who do want to pick out those places and hidden gems around iceland to either make up their own itinerary or add to one that they already created and with full access to my iceland map you get over 250 places that i recommend in iceland along with four free itineraries so it comes with this full access to use for planning your trip Those itineraries include a 10-day Ring Road trip, a three-day South Iceland trip, the famous Golden Circle, and Raky Peninsula day trip. So that one-time purchase gets you lifetime access, which includes any updates I make to the map in the future. The random fact of the episode is that a few years ago, I headed to Lanmanlurgar in mid-September. I had a blast, by the way. It was so much fun. And going towards the end of the season, when there were so few people there, because that's one place in the highlands where it's starting to feel... Like, I don't want to say Disneyland, but it does have this. It's a lot of people because it's a famous trekking route. So many people want to do it. And so, you know, you have a lot of people who are camping. They have all these like available spaces. Sometimes you can go there just for a day. In fact, most people do this as well. But it just ends up being a lot of people in a very remote place. So that part can be hard during the summer to go visit there. So when I went in September, I was just excited. And just to know, though, the weather in the Highlands is always volatile, more so than just the regular areas of Iceland because of the higher altitude. And uh, I just remember that we were sitting in the natural hot spring there. We'd already hiked, and it was clear, blue skies, like literally just hardly even any wind. And then, in less than ten minutes, the sky turned this gray, cloud and ominous like look, and the wind picked up, and snow started to fall from the sky. There was no indication in the forecast that when I checked that this would even happen if there was any snowfall whatsoever. (laughs) Of course, this only lasted like five minutes, but still, it stuck with me because we were in a safe location, thankfully, but there have been others who have underestimated Icelandic weather, which then put them in potentially dangerous, if not fatal, positions. So I don't say this to scare anyone, but rather to share an experience that is possible anywhere in the country. For the weather to change this way, but especially in the highlands. So just please be aware. The Icelandic word of the episode is September. Septemper, which means September. Yeah. And it's spelled exactly the same. But as you can tell, it's just said a little bit differently in Icelandic. As always, thank you so much for listening.